Hello everybody and welcome to White Line Weekly. This is a bit of a bonus pod this week because it's the start of a new week. I recorded the last one on a Sunday, so I thought it was only right really to start the week off with another podcast. Now, I was going to begin by saying what sort of things had happened on this day previously, but on a quick tap into Google, some pretty big bits of history were made on the 23rd of March. Um, In 1919, Mussolini formed the fascist movement in Milan in Italy. And also in 1933, uh, the uh, the Germans grant Adolf Hitler dictatorial powers. So he became a dictator in 1933. And I think both those facts already put everything into context with what we're dealing with at the moment. It's not as bad as some of the media outlets are possibly making it out to be. So hopefully our week is going to be much better than the weeks in 1933 uh, and uh, 1919. So I wanted to uh, talk about a couple of things um, preparing you for this coming week. Uh, The first one I want to talk about is opportunity. Now, those of you that know me know that I'm a big podcast fan anyway, so uh, for me to be able to quote podcasts is something I do often in my psychology lessons. Uh, but there's a podcast that I recently listened to on BBC Sounds, which is the Don't Tell Me The Score podcast by Simon Monday. Uh, he interviews people that are involved with sport, uh, whether that be a coach, an athlete, or just somebody that generally has been involved in it, maybe as an organiser or something like that. And one of his most recent ones was um, he interviewed David Allred. Now, David Allred has been a coach to hundreds of athletes in his time uh, and he doesn't specify often just one singular type of sports person Um, so for example he coached Johnny Wilkinson he's also coached Molinari the golfer Um, and really he is a sort of a bit of a visionary when it comes to coaching he's a bit more of a life coach I suppose is a nice way of thinking about it he he doesn't look specifically at the technique he might look at the mindset more than anything and get people to readdress their mindsets and then talk about technique. So he, he has, a, has a book called The Pressure Principle, which I haven't read yet. It's on my reading list. I hope to be able to read it in the next few weeks or so and then talk about it maybe uh, on one of these podcasts. I think something that we can all do is maybe start reading a little bit more. I know right now you probably hate it, but I would really recommend getting on Audible and start listening to a few books as well. Um, I'll, I'll come back to Audible in, in a minute and talk about some books you might want to start with if you're interested in what I'm about to talk about. So, um, like I said, David Allred was all about the pressure principle and he was talking about how to deal with pressure and how to uh, sort of get through pressure. And it was really interesting. So knowing how uh, Johnny Wilkinson, for example, centred himself before a kick or managed to blank out everything. And uh, it was good, but it wasn't really applicable to sixth form students. Um, yes, you're under pressure. But it, it, it didn't really connect that well. The one thing that did connect really well is how he approaches coaching of somebody. Now, Team Sky, the, the cyclists, they always talk about um, sort of small, tiny little increments, the smallest thing that we can do that will make a change. Okay, marginal gains. But marginal gains gets debated in this podcast because... He talks about, well, it's not about a marginal gain. It's about what can I consistently do well that's going to have a bigger impact in the future. So something that I I like to do and something that I think we should all do is we should definitely 
sort of take into account all these theories, all these books, uh, anybody's opinions, and we should balance them out. You shouldn't, you shouldn't just cancel off somebody's opinion because it's opposite to yours. We should listen to it, we should debate it, uh, and we should try and come up with a balanced argument ourselves and be an interactionist. Take, take the good from both sides of the story. Now, the one that David was talking about that goes against the marginal gains theory, he was basically saying, well, if you consistently have high standards and you consistently work hard and you consistently turn out results, then in the long run, that's going to have a huge impact rather than saying, well, this is where I am now. If I make one or two changes, I'll be somewhere else. Yes, that will happen. But what if we can consistently put the effort in and do those marginal gains as well? Let's, let's take both sides of the story. So when, I, when he was talking about that consistency, I thought that was really good and I thought that was actually applicable to you and that's why I wanted to raise it in this podcast. Um, while you're away, while you're over Easter, I definitely think you need a rest over Easter, but those of you that start to become bored or if you want to do anything um, to widen your CVs or personal statements, I know the lower sixth, you should really be thinking about university visits. Uh, if, if they become open again, you can get yourself to a university. But if you are trying to bolster your personal statement or your CV or even, God forbid, learning for the sake of learning, discussing stuff, thinking outside the box, there are a huge amount of opportunities in front of you. So some of the things I would recommend is uh, going on to Unifrog, maybe look at the MOOC section, the, the massive open online courses. You can take a couple of MOOCs. Some of them um, you can pay to get accredited, which means that they can go on your CV for the rest of your life if you wanted them to. Also, if you want something that's got um, sort of a name next to it, OpenLearn is a good place to go. So OpenLearn is the Open University um, free online training system courses, things like that. So if you go on to OpenLearn, you'll be able to take a huge amount of courses. Um, they're all free. Again, you get a little badge and accreditation at the end. You don't have to pay for the accreditation on the OpenLearn courses. Now, why? Why would you do that? Well, yes, it bolsters your CV. Yes, it bolsters your personal statement. That's all great. But what it will also do is it might tell you, right, I'm going to take this OpenLearn course in hospitality. And you take the course and you realise, oh my God, I hate the idea of hospitality. Now, what that's done is it, it's just trying, it sort of redirected you slightly. It's given you something useful. It's made you think. Uh, and it's maybe potentially crossed off a, a career path that you might have been going down. So it's, it's a useful thing to do. So get yourself on MOOCs, get yourself on OpenLearn, and just type in and see what you can find there that interests you. Some of the courses are tiny. They're like four-hour courses. Uh, you can spread that across multiple days. Some of them are fairly long, like I found one the other day that was like a 40-hour course on OpenLearn. But again, you'd spread that out. You would just do an hour here and there. So there are opportunities if you would like to consistently push yourself. They are there, definitely. Also, Audible. Now, I talked about Audible uh, a few minutes ago. I, when I was your age, really struggled to read. I just didn't enjoy it. I did English literature and I read what I was told to read. That was about it. I, I wasn't interested in reading for enjoyment until I found Audible. So when I was at university, Audible started to come out and I sort of thought I'd try it and I, I bought a few books on there. And I think it's a brilliant way to be able to digest a book and put it into a format that might connect better with you. So if you're one of those people that struggles to just sit down and read because you find it quite boring or you find, um, I don't know, it takes too long or something like that, 
I would really recommend that you go on Audible and maybe try some of the free trials. Uh, I think there's like a seven day free trial. Get yourself a book and listen to it. I think that is a really good use of time if you're trying to get away from your screens. So I've talked about my dog walks before. I've talked about that, how I use that to anchor me and try and get myself into a really good start for the day. So quite often I'll stick on an audible book uh, and just walk with a dog. And it's brilliant because you're, you're, you're thinking outside the box. You're, just, you're inside your head. You're, you're having sort of clarity of thought. Nothing else but me, the book, uh, and outside as well. If you are to go on Audible and you're thinking about it, I, I think if I could recommend a few books that will start trying to get this sort of idea of self-improvement. Uh, anything by Matthew Said is good to listen to. Uh, definitely don't think it's amazing in terms of content. Um, you can discuss it. You can debate it. Again, I want you to do that. Um, but he does write a book in a way that is quite an easy listen. So if you were to go with anything from Matthew Said, you'd probably enjoy listening to it. Similarly, if you're interested in sort of understanding society, uh, Malcolm Gladwell talks uh, in his book about outliers, about how successful people are successful and why successful people are successful. And he doesn't come at it from a psychology point of view he comes at it more from a genetic point of view and why are certain people successful and he suggests that it's down to them being outliers and he looks at when they were born where they were born uh, and he looks at some famous cases of really successful people uh, I found that book um, very easy to digest it was interesting so you wanted to listen on you wanted to you wanted to get through the book which I think would be a good place for you to be and lastly those of you that are interested in business um, the start with why book by Simon Sinek uh, is a really nice idea of if you're setting up a business you should always start with a why rather than the how or the what um, and it's a mindset change so again it's going to be talking about mindset uh, I would recommend any of you that are interested in business any of you doing the MBA uh, have, a, have a read or uh, get on audible and listen to start with why by Simon Sinek I think once you get involved in that you'll realize some of the things I do with our sixth form uh, and how I try to phrase my questioning and how I always try and explain to you that I'll do the best for your interests and the why. The why is the most important thing. There's a few models in there that they draw um, that I use for our sixth form as well. So that's Audible. That's where I think you could possibly try and get some self-betterment out of this sort of time of flux. Um, it's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? Because you have the opportunity to sit on your playstations listen to music chat with friends chill out and i think you should do that in the easter break however if this extended period does go on there's going to be quite a lot of downtime where you're going to want to push yourself uh, and aim for that consistency i think by having a project by having something that is keeping your attention it is really healthy and it will lead to that consistent approach uh, of how to improve yourself which I talked about David Allred said in the BBC Sounds um, Don't Tell Me The Score podcast now I've asked a, a couple of you to email in any questions, anything like that, I, I will do my best to talk about those, we've got a couple of guests lined up, I just need to um, organise with them when I'm going to speak to them I'll probably get two guests on one show hopefully um, where I'm going to have a set series of questions that you might find interesting for them to have um, discuss. I don't really want to give those away just yet before I get guests on the show. Um, but James um, emailed me, and now obviously I'm only going to use one 
one name. I can't use both first name and surname due to GDPR. So James, uh, you emailed him and you were asking about A-levels and how you think this might affect your year group. Um, so we're in a very strange situation that we have never ever encountered before where we've had to cancel your A-levels uh, and GCSEs and the government kind of did it before they had spoken to the Department for Education or Ofqual. So there was this sort of period of time where we were in flux. Then we got a statement made from Ofqual and the DfE saying that the, your A-level grades are going to be based around um, data. They're, they might be based around your mocks. They might be based around predicted grades. But we know that the teachers are going to be involved with giving that prediction. Now, there is an issue over standardisation, so we are going to have to base this on some kind of data, um, whether that is your UCAS grades, target grades, currently working towards grades, uh, previous mock exams, uh, average percentage that you've been working at in the lesson. Um, the issue is that I think nationally they're going to struggle to standardise it. So they're going to want something that's been logged in earlier. Now, if it was me as an A-level student, I would be making sure I churn out as much standardised work as I possibly can and try and get that back to my teacher just in case we need to get more data. Now, I know that my psychology and my PE sets have been doing that. They gave me a load of past papers. Um, I'm also going along the lines of any information is good information. So if you're using Seneca, if you're using Uplearn um, and on our online platforms if you work your way through those and keep a really high percentage if you go through everlearner if you're on pe and you have a really high percentage and you complete all the checkpoints that's more data we are going to have to come back to some kind of information some data um, as a school we don't have a directed understanding of that just yet uh, i imagine in the next few days we will have it now i don't really think that was your question i think that your question was probably aimed at how's this going to affect you in the future now Long run, I actually don't think this will have too much of an effect. I think uh, your A-levels are often a stepping stone to the next thing, whether that is uh, a degree apprenticeship, whether that is an apprenticeship, whether that's going into the workplace, or if you're following the university style um, sort of graduation from Bloxham. So I think long term, this will just appear as a letter on your CV or your personal statement. The issue I have is the number doesn't reflect, sorry, the letter or the number, I suppose, in GCSE cases, it does not reflect the effort that went into this. And I was trying to explain this to a few people and I felt like my uh, A-level classes were like a team preparing for the World Cup and then all of a sudden they've been told that they are not allowed to enter or play in the World Cup. Now, I think the issue is here that a lot of students are going to feel like they have not earned their grades. And I think there is an issue there because um, for those of you that are interested, you can, you can research around this. There's a, a theory called imposter syndrome or imposter theory. Um, and imposter syndrome is all about when you're successful at something, but you don't feel like you have earned the right to be there. Now, we know that mental health is a huge issue. I just think that this could be another issue added on to the sort of mental health spectrum. Uh, and I think we need to be prepared for that. And I hope universities are prepared for the idea that a lot of their students will be coming in feeling like they have not earned their place. Um, 
I would say that the your hard work was reflected by those predicted grades. We wouldn't have given you those predicted grades if we didn't think that you were going to achieve them. So we're kind of saying, yes, you've been working hard. Here's your grade anyway. So we, we, we are rewarding you in that sense, but I completely understand how it must feel. But I do think in five, ten years' time, when the A-level students are in the workplace, this probably won't even be talked about. Uh, I know a lot of you are worried about being called like the COVID kids or the corona year um, I don't think long term this is going to have too much of an impact. However, in the short term, if you're talking about employability, this is where I'm sort of saying you might want to add some stuff to your CV, personal statements from Open Learn, uh, from MOOC, stuff like that, because um, you never know what you're going to need in terms of trying to make yourself better than the other person that's applied for it as well, in terms of jobs, uh, in terms of degrees, in terms of uh, whatever you're looking at going to do so as a school we don't have a directed understanding of uh, how we're going to use that data we do know that it's got to be as standardized as possible um, but I, I think there's more of a mental health issue moving forwards than there is looking back I also think that this is an opportunity for the lower sixth to learn a lesson um, I know that some of my upper sixth came into my lower sixth classes and were talking to some of the lower sixth and they were saying look work consistently hard because Although the UCAS grade prediction exams, they don't feel like something that is massive, like 80% around sort of 70 to 80% of what you get in those grades, we're going to use for your real, um, your real grade. So really focus on that and make sure you consistently work in your lower sixth year, because if we do have to take data, let's say you get injured in and around the exams in the upper sixth year, we have to go back to data. So that consistent effort is so, so key. Now, to wrap this up, I always wanted to finish off with a track of the day. Now, track of the day was selected by Oliver. Uh, he selected the Bee Gees, Staying Alive, which I think is very apt in, in this outbreak of coronavirus. Um, your fact of the day, your fact of the day, we're going along the same lines of animals again. Uh, the oldest known living land animal is a tortoise named Jonathan, who is 187 years old. Uh, he lives on the island of St. Helena in the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, since 1882 no that's sorry that's he i don't think he's still alive um oops um right so i also wanted to finish off with a quote now this is to try and get you thinking this is something philosophical um so i'm going to quote aristotle now he said we are what we repeatedly do excellence then is not an act but a habit now, if you filter everything that I've been saying about consistent effort, consistently work hard, learn a lesson from these upper six, what we consistently do is what we should be judged on. And what we consistently do will often lead to a better outcome as long as what we consistently do is excellent. Okay, so think about that in the forthcoming week. Uh, I hope you're all happy. I hope you're healthy. Remember, reach out to somebody, make sure they're okay and have a really good week. Thanks very much, guys.